Gen Z's could probably be the first generation to have access to this, and we might see some people live up to the age of 150. Well, how would you feel about that? When we think of our life being short, we kind of push ourselves more because we're like... It's a very interesting way to think know, about it. But do you think there could be a point where AI could replace friends? Friend circles, relationships, the way we talk to people, that's going to change a lot. I feel like democracies are great, but then when it comes to this point where we're just always fighting against each other, it's completely counterproductive. It's, it's a side effect to the rights of protest, essentially. The Infinite Perspective Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Infinite Perspective Podcast. I'm your host, Hamad Mustafa. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of hosting Mehreen Munir. She is one of the coolest 21-year-olds I've met. She is a student, an entrepreneur, and is most commonly known as the host of Karak with Mehreen, a podcast that dives deep into the topics of cultural and societal discourse. Mehreen has a star-studded academic record. She has multiple awards for her um, various different exceptional academic performances. She is also she was also the youth representative for the UAE delegation at the 2022 United Nations Climate Change Conference in Egypt. She also founded Entreprika, which is um, a project that aims to serve as a catalyst for the entrepreneurial growth of uh, youth by providing comprehensive internship programs and extensive workshops. I'm thrilled for today's episode. And so without further ado, Mehreen, <laughs> oh welcome to God. the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. That was insane. That was a lot to condense that was in. I cannot believe you mem You learned all of that and you said it so smoothly. <laughs> like I purposely try to keep my introductions of my guests short because I know I'll forget. But that was so descriptive. It, oh, my God. It was the content that was uh, cool. And, you know, there's actually a little bit more further ado. Um, so... Give me one second. It's... Oh! Oh, yay! Is it is it chai? Karak with Mehreen, Karak with Hamad. Yay! <laughs> I love Karak. Yeah. I mean, as you should know. Yeah. I love this. I mean, I saw the little bag. And, I mean, I didn't expect tea, it's, though. Yeah, we... Credit goes to mom for this one. Yay! Um, I told her... I honestly am probably going to butcher this. And she's going to watch and she's going to be... What the... <laughs> what the hell did you do? Okay. No, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. So, oh my God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Karak, it's a thank universal you. drink. Yeah, there's chai has no borders. Exactly. Literally. It's, and and you have like, you're more advanced than our podcast because this is actually homemade. Yeah. And all of my guests expect my Karak to be homemade, but it's not, which is so embarrassing. So thank you. Thank you so yeah, much. The idea, it was my mom's idea to have it homemade. I was going to get it from That's the outside, so nice. but she's like, no, it's... It That's so nice. Thank you to your mom and to you. Thank of you. Of course. Um, so I want to start off with um, this one thing. So... In Japanese philosophy, there, uh, there is this concept that every person has three faces, right? So there's one face that we show to strangers, people that we don't know. There's one face that we show to our friends and family. And then there's one face that we only know within ourselves. Like that's the, true, the truest essence of ourselves. So everything that we know about every single person is only an approximation of who they are based on what we see, what we hear. And we create this 
image of them, which is a subjective image. It can be true. It cannot be true. It's based on the more data you have, like the more time you spend with someone, the more you know them, right? But there's no objective um, understanding of them within ourselves. So if you were to describe yourself, the third face, the, the face that you only know about yourself, who would Mehreen be? And how wow. would you come to that conclusion? Wow, that was such a good question. Oh my God, great way to start, but very, very introspective. Um, how would I describe myself in the third face of Mehreen? I think that the face that I showcase to most people is that I'm very like, I'm a very like jolly, like chill person, you know, like I love life and, yeah. and I do. That's 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 for sure. And everyone, everyone tells me that I'm I'm the type of person who like who kind of goes with the flow, enjoys everything that's coming in her way. But that of course, all of that is for sure true. But when I'm alone, when I'm on my own, I'm definitely someone who overthinks so much right and people don't realize that at all like they don't picture that they don't associate that with me but as you get to know me better like I question things a lot I um overanalyze myself in different situations like did I do this right did I do that right what like my future it's there's so much overthinking that goes in my head I see and of course that's I don't know if that's it's the same extent to how it is for other people, mm-hmm. but if I would describe Mehreen when I'm alone, when it's just me, I am an overthinker. I'm an overanalyzer. Okay. But I'm also someone who 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 cherishes, who tries to cherish every moment, even those overthinking moments. Like I love the days when I. I try. I actually try to schedule a day where I would go somewhere alone in my car with my journal and just overanalyze everything that's happening in my life. But I cherish that. And you journal. Yeah. Wow. I I feel like that's relatable in the sense of uh, you know overly thinking about yourself and self assessment. But I think that's also something that pushes us for constant improvement. For right? sure. And I mean. I'm sure with all of the things that you're doing in life, with your academics, with your um, uh, entrepreneurial uh, endeavors and your podcast, I'm sure that is what makes you stand out from others that, you know, not everyone, but certain people are just satisfied with whatever they have. And there's essentially no room for improvement. So um, I want to take this um, forward with the idea of our generation. So we're both Gen Z's. You're 21. I'm 22. And uh, 21, another uh, Gabriel. <laughs> so um, our generation has had the fortune and perhaps misfortune in, in, in a certain regard that we have brought up, been brought up with this explosion of technological advances where we've had the internet, we have, we've had the social, uh, we've had social media, we've had connectivity and access to information that has been unparalleled in human history mm-hmm. um previously you had to you know as how they say in um, in uh, it's i believe it's an arabic proverb that even if you have to seek knowledge go to china if you have to from arabia to get it and now you can like everything anything you want to learn artificial intelligence economics blah 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 it's all out there on the internet um aside from that we're also 
essentially seeing the explosive growth of artificial intelligence and how that is further fueling um, it's further fueling a place, a future where productivity would not be as essential at it as it would have been in the previous decades. Mm -hmm. Chat GPT can come up with basically anything text based mm -hmm. that you would like, right? So where do you see our generation ending up in the next coming decades and the generations after that? And do you see a cultural um the cultural divide emerging and, you know, culture itself globalizing and seeing a fusion of all of these mixes between Western and Eastern culture? I think that's that's a very good question in terms of, first of all, I already like how you build up the question, like the context you provide. It's pretty long, fantastic. but yeah, no, hope it gets the idea across. But yeah, I think we've been privileged with the access of information that we've gotten as Gen Z, like, um, there are so many things that's a part of our everyday that yeah. is beyond Im imagine for beyond imagination for our, the previous generations. So we are definitely privileged. We are lucky. That's yeah. for sure. But there's a lot of problems that have come up with that, that have resulted from that. So um, I think one thing is our attention span has reduced tremendously. It has completely been destroyed. Yeah. Um, and that is definitely, so there's two sides to that. It's obviously negative that our attention span has been destroyed. We can't concentrate yeah. on people. Like even when we're having conversations, we lose concentration so quickly as you, if you compare like how my dad talks and how I talk, my dad can go on and talk for like hours, but I physically and mentally get Same. tired. You know what I mean? <laughs> the podcast one hour is enough, but but if yeah. it goes further, you know what I mean? So um, I think there's a lot of disadvantages to that. But then when we recognize the fact that our attention span is decreasing with all of this increase in information, we realize that our the school systems is also messed up. I know I'm... I'm talking about so many different things, but it just makes me realize that as we increase the the access to information, we yeah. we realize how messed up the education system that we're currently living in is. Yeah. How messed up the in, the lectures, the idea of lectures is. It, mm -hmm is completely counterproductive. So when we talk about the environment that we live in, I feel like we're going to see a lot of reformations in that regard, especially when it comes to education. Okay. At least I hope. Because with the advent of AI and the increasing use of AI, people are realizing, even though they should have realized much earlier on, that um, students are going to use ChatGPT regardless of what you do. Like okay. Regardless of whether we're going to restrict that or not, they're going to use it. Like this is when calculators were introduced. When calculators were introduced, everyone was like, calculators should be banned. Like this is completely going to hinder your mental capacity and your. But and they had much, to adapt to it. But they adapted to it. And now we use calculators yeah. in school and this is going to be the same thing in AI. That's when it comes to education. But when I also think about how Gen Z are as individuals, yeah. I've realized that we've we have, because of this information, we've become more aware of, you know, what's happening in the world. We've become more aware of our True. rights. We've become more aware of uh, <clears throat> the privileges that we have. And these are things that our parents and our grandparents um, did not know much about. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't actually f try to counter 
whatever was told to them, they would just accept whatever was given to them. Mm -hmm. They would accept the norms. So I think what's great about Gen Z is that we take this information, we process it, and then we fight for when when something is wrong. Absolutely. That's beautiful. That that's that's what I love about this generation. And I have faith that all those social issues that we talk about, like the toxicity in our cultures, the toxicity in I don't know, marriage pressures and yeah. things like that. I feel like all of that is going to reduce tremendously because of our generation. Where do you see our culture, specifically South Asian, um, if I were to be more specific, Pakistani culture evolving in the next um, couple of decades? Because um, from an economic perspective, South Asia is projected to be among, if not the most, among the most uh, richest uh, regions in the world. Yeah. Uh, Pakistan itself is uh, projected to have a GDP in 2075 of around 13 something trillion, which is which is going to be the fifth largest. I mean, if you speak about population, essentially GDP is a product of how much you're producing in a given year. The more people you have, the more you're going to produce. It's no rocket science. So I see South Asia becoming a global player in terms of influence, in terms of culture and all these things, uh, just like you see it's reflect in America, the largest economy in the world, and it has a proportional cultural influence as well with Hollywood and et cetera. Same with, for example, Japan, you see anime and blah, blah, blah. So with that, where do you see in the context of all of these things, our culture evolving into uh, in the next coming decades? Um, I think Pakistani culture, first of all, Pakistan has a great influence over has the potential of influencing the world in such great magnitude that we don't realize yeah. and as you put out all the numbers that it 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 really has the potential and i think pakistanis themselves are they have a lot of strength in them i think pakistanis like when you talk about i'm going to talk about india and pakistan and when you talk about indians a lot of people say that you know, Indians are incredibly smart. They're very intelligent. They're very intellectual, which is true. I Indians are definitely very good in academics. And I think that, but from my perspective, what I've seen is that Indians, they're very, like they're book smart. They're really good. Yeah. They're really book smart. And then Pakistanis, they're like life smart. They're like street smart. I think Pakistanis are very clever I think y- individuals. You can kind of relate that to Americans. Like Germans are very book smart oh, and yeah, academic true. and they're and then, very punctual. But Americans are sort of, they're kind of out of the box. Yeah, sometimes in creative. good ways and sometimes in not so great ways. But yeah. uh, I definitely see that. And um, so, and you know how you've said, you've mentioned resilience. Um, Pakistan is a, probably among the few countries in the world that people don't know this, but we have seen every crisis imaginable to essentially um, cut a country into multiple pieces, but we're still standing as one solid state. We've had corruption. We've had terrorist attacks almost every single day. We've had natural disasters. Pakistan has the largest elevation gradient in the world, which means, so you've got K2, which is the second tallest uh, mountain in the world. And you've got, when water basically comes comes down from the glaciers, it's a lot of water. And when you get flooded and you're getting water from the second highest elevation in the world, 
and it goes all the way down to sea level, you have a large risk of um, uh, catastrophic damage. And which is why the Indus civilization, it's one of the suspected reasons why it actually um, uh, disappeared. It was because of climate change. But um, coming back to the point, we've seen a lot of these catastrophic issues, but we still stand as one nation and we're still... I would like to say the most, resi- I would like to see any other country live without electricity for an extended amount of time. I don't think any country <laughs> in the first, first world can uh, could, do uh, could do that. That's for sure. But more specifically, how do you see the people change? Like, let's, let's take an average, I don't want to say boomer. What would be the boomer equivalent to our country? What would be the boomer equivalent to our country? Um, like, you know how... Uncles, like let's say uncles. Boomers are yeah, bo- boomers are older, but yeah. let, let's let's just say um, people in their forties okay. yeah, or fifties, yeah. like Got our it. parents. Yeah. How do you see this specific age group evolving in the future? Because whenever there's economic growth, um, you see a lot of other indicators change. For example, fertility rates they automatically decrease in countries which are more economically uh, progressing. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, you see that reflect in um, uh, uh, the indicators in Norway, Sweden, Scandinavia versus, for example, certain countries in uh, sub-Saharan Africa. So this um, would likely obviously have an effect in Pakistan as well. And like I said, there would be a cultural evolution, which would be really interesting to think about. Yeah, so how, where do you see that specifically going if we go like deep into the intricacies of how people are, how people talk, what people find right, what people find wrong? How do you see that changing? Uh I think that when we talk about the current state of how um, of how the culture is in Pakistan, um, it has evolved tremendously from the past in terms of even when we talk about uh, the age in which m- girls get married, when we talk about this specific example, and the previous generation was much younger than how it is right now. Yeah. My mom got married when she was around 18. I think my grandmother got married even younger and that was normal, which makes sense because that's just how it was back then. And now people get married when they're 24, 28. Um, So I think even this understanding that, you know, you can get married at get married at a later age because you need to work because you need to get an education. I think uh, Pakistan is evolving in this idea that uh, access to education and access to job opportunities is important also for women. This has evolved a lot in Pakistan. And in that sense, it's going to evolve a lot more in my personal opinion. I mean, like if you need a developed economy, you need active 50, 50% participation in both genders. So yeah, exactly. And like, there are so many statistics that showcase that when you educate and when you support a girl, you're not just supporting the girl, you're supporting a whole village Absolutely, because that, that will contribute. It's a, it's a domino effect. It'll contribute to the whole women. I I feel like women build societies. Men are, are just responsible for what we see, like the buildings and the infrastructure, but the actual society is something that women build. That's very interesting. But and I and that's for sure true. I think that women play a huge role in everyone says they're they're the glue that sticks families together. Oh, yeah. And it's the same when it comes to societies, because those values that you learn, those um, the culture that you yeah. learn, it comes a lot from your mothers. It comes a lot from the oh, female, absolutely. the females in your family. So educating them like if you're if you're if the female in your family is educated, is, is striving for 
um, growth is striving for more opportunities, she's going to pass that down to her children as well. And yeah. so there, you're going to see that continue to grow. It's exponential. Yeah. So I think that is definitely going to continuously change, even though I feel like it's been changing relatively slowly in Pakistan. Um, but it's getting there. It's so getting I still there. have hope. Um, so in that sense, I think this acceptance is going to grow a lot more mm -hmm. uh, as, as, as the country evolves. Um, the one thing about Pakistan is that a lot of people who move out of Pakistan, who find jobs in other countries, um, most of them settle down outside of Pakistan. Yeah. And a lot of the fruits that you get from having an education abroad, Pakistan doesn't receive that back. So I feel like that is definitely something that continues to be a problem. There is definitely brain drain in Pakistan. And I don't know how that's going to be like in the future, because if that continues, then the, then the culture, the evolution of the culture in Pakistan is going to evolve quite slowly because that evolution comes stagnant. from the education you receive yeah. abroad when you the learnings you get when you go out when you travel but if when you travel and you don't come back then all those learnings stay with you it doesn't stay with come you. back exactly and i think i mean we can uh take china as an example for example mm -hmm. uh, for like when china started to um grow which was exponential. Um, they had a lot of Chinese students studying in Ivy League um, uh, educational institutes in America. So what happened was when China had an adequate economic framework to the point where you would be paid fairly and you would receive, receive a lifestyle good enough for you to move back, China started incentivizing its people that were abroad, that were specialists, and the best in their fields in engineering, science, in medical science, they, they incentivized them coming back by giving them essentially the same benefits yeah. that they received over yeah. there. And, and which we in turn see reflect in China's um, unbelievable economic growth. Right. So I think this could potentially happen in the future as well, mm -hmm. because Pakistanis, I would say, are I, I want to say are the most patriotic people in the world, most likely. Oh, yeah. Because they are quite patriotic. I mean, if you have a dictatorship, people aren't really um, patriotic. There's always rebellion. But in Pakistan, regardless of who you're supporting, you're always patriotic. Mm -hmm. I, I think according to a statistic, Pakistan is only the second in the world uh, in a survey where they asked, would you fight for, the, for your country? And I believe 89% of people said, yes, uh, we would. And uh, number one, I think was Vietnam, not by a huge margin, it was like 91%. So we are very patriotic people. And I'm sure if there's, if given a fair chance, I hope I'm not quoting uh, Joe Biden. I think this is exactly what he said. If given a fair chance, I think Pakistanis can um, definitely excel in their respective fields. So. <clears throat> but that can also pose problems. Like I know like having that feeling of being patriotic to your country is so important. And I love that about Pakistanis. Yeah. But. <clears throat> That can create so much like being that can create people that are quite stubborn. Uh -huh. And I feel like if you question anything about the norms there, they get super mad. And and I know they're trying to protect their culture. They're trying to protect their country, <clears throat> which is beautiful. Yeah. But that also results in a lot of like rejection to new ideas. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so. 
Um, I wrote this article. Uh, I have this. I had this political theory uh, hypothesis. So I basically said that you know, the, in the theory of evolution, mm -hmm. there's the Darwinian notion that organisms evolve mm -hmm. based on mutation and whatever gives them the longest lifespan. And if they're able to um, basically, um, you know, uh, increase their chances of survival, that particular trait is going to move on and it's going to, so like giraffes, you know, why do they have long necks? Because they can be able to reach long, blah, blah, blah. You get the idea, right? Yeah. So I think it's the same with um, society. I kind of applied the same idea. If you have political instability, if you have problems, people are going to try to think of solutions to those problems. If you have no problems, no one's going to think of any solutions, right? And typically, if you have a problem like, for example, culture where you're not open-minded, you're going to have um, rebellions. You're going to have people that rebel to that idea. You're going to have protests, yeah. which is why freedom of thought is essential to society sure. because it acts as a medium for evolution to take place. Uh, and uh, being conservative is a good thing because it, it's a good thing to a certain extent because you need to have your own culture. You need to have yeah, an identity, sure. but it needs to evolve. Culture is not always perfect, as we know. And I think what you're talking about is more of toxic nationalism than rather than patriotism. True. I think I don't agree with uh, France's president Macron on a lot of things, but he said this one thing. He's like, um, patriotism is like it's, it's, it's the truest service you can do to a country, but not toxic nationalism yeah. where you defend every bad thing that your country has done. Yeah. So, yeah, there can I, definitely be a like. A fine line between between the two. There's a difference between patriotism and nationalism. And I feel like it can be quite easy for Pakistanis mm. to cross that line. Um, and this is not just about Pakistan. I've seen this in a lot of other countries. But when we specifically talk about Pakistanis, um, I feel like it's very important to have open discussions, very open, op important to have this open dialogue. But a lot of the conversations there are about bashing someone, about um, bashing this person who did this because he didn't agree to this ideology. Or oh, this, absolutely. But instead of discussing about, oh, how do we improve our society? How do we improve our country? I think the conversations need to go a long way before we can see that cultural change because there's so much political instability right now in Pakistan. There's a lot of economic problems happening right now in Pakistan. And I still feel like the people of Pakistan, I cannot generalize this to everyone, but I still feel like a lot of people focus on the wrong issues. They focus a lot on a lot on everything besides what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. Like they don't talk about the actual economic issues that's happening. Yeah. They don't talk about what how do we solve this problem. They just like to argue about, oh, this guy is better than this guy. That political leader is better than that, that guy. I feel like democracies are great, but then when it comes to this point where we're just always fighting against each other, it's completely counterproductive. It's, it's a side effects to the rights of protest, essentially. Yeah. But I absolutely get what you mean. And, and I think an important ingredient that our society and a lot of other societies in general are, are missing is tolerance, Yeah. which is essential to 
actually sol solving your problems. Yeah. If you if you don't even identify an issue in the first place, then you're never going to get around to actually solving exactly. it. So uh, that's a very important thing. So what do you think right now at this moment is, I think there's a lot of issues, but what if you were to code one specific issue that you think is in our society culturally, um, what would that be? And how do you think we would fix it? This is a very tough question yeah, and not intentionally. <laughs> I cannot, um, so, okay, I'll just sum it up in a different way. What do you think is one of the most significant cultural problems in our specific culture? I think that, so I'd like to compare, um, even though a lot of people have problems when I compare, but I'd like to compare Western cultures to, to, to Eastern cultures, to Desi, to Desi cultures, actually Eastern cultures in general. Mm -hmm. um, the thing that I've noticed is that the Western cultures, they are very, they're quite individualistic. They yeah. focus a lot on yourself. They focus a lot on you as an individual. Do you think that's a good thing to a certain extent? Yeah. So there are beautiful parts of both cultures, but moderation is key for Absolutely. everything. Yeah. So I do think that being independent, and I talk a lot about being independent, women being independent, financially independent. So focus on the self. I really do like that in the West, but I don't think that's like, you cannot base your entire happiness on your self achievements. You need to base your happiness also on how other people in your life are doing on your relationships, on your family, which mm. I think Pakistanis or Eastern cultures, they do really well. They focus so much on families and it's a very collectivist society where they focus a lot on the well-being of your parents, your grandparents. Like you can exactly. never imagine a Pakistani sending their grandparents to like a nursing home. Oh, absolutely that, like you can never imagine that, right? Which is which is beautiful because they have such a beautiful connection. Again, but again, moderation is key because I feel like if you are so self selfless where you care about only your family, nothing else, where, where you're not actually striving for yourself or your individual achievements, then that can also be wrong. Because a lot of women I've seen that, I talk a lot about women because I am a woman and I've, and that's my perspective, but a lot of women I've seen, they, you know, they give up their careers, they give up their educations when they start a family. And sometimes it's necessary, which makes complete sense. There's no judgment there. That's okay if you do that, if you genuinely want to do that. But a lot of women I've seen sacrifice that, not because they wanted to, but because that's just what's required of them as a woman. And then you hear, your and then when they get married, you know, they feel happy for, for, for in the beginning, you're going through the honeymoon phase. But then after that, you start feeling sad because you start feeling alone. You don't have your personal achievement. You don't have your own personality. Like Absolutely. your personality is completely dependent on your, on the people around you. Like you don't have your sense of self. That's when you start to realize that and you feel lonely. And then your parents and your grandparents say, okay, have a child because that will help you through that loneliness. But that's, again, that's such a temporary solution the main solution is when you build yourself as a person. So when you actually get married, you want to get married. And when you leave your career, it's because you still have your achievements. So when you get married, you still mm -hmm. have your achievements. And even if you have to leave them, you don't leave them in vain. You, you, you leave them because you're like, I've done all of this and now I'm okay with 
focusing on my family now. Oh, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So I think this excessive um, prioritization of your community can become toxic. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's not, again, I'm talking about moderation is key. Like, I'm not saying that it's bad altogether. It's just that when you care so much about only your family and only what people in your society are thinking, then who are you as a person? You're yeah. never going to be able to know. So I think mixing, you were mentioning this, or I think you mentioned this before, like how do we mix things from two different cultures together? I think the, these are two elements. One is of being individualistic in the Western culture and one is of being collectivistic in the Eastern culture. I think finding a balance between two mm -hmm. is really what's important. I think that's... You summed it up very intelligently, and I actually have the same thoughts on this particular sub subject. Um, it's a lot of the times in these sort of issues, there's always two extremes, mm -hmm. and it's most rational to identify where you can take the best of both worlds. Yeah. And I think we can kind of see that because we've been raised in, raised in the UAE, True. and you, the UAE is basically perhaps the most cosmopolitan place on earth. You've yeah. got basically everyone from every country country here so you can essentially compare and identify okay so this is what this culture does well and this is what we have yeah is this something that perhaps maybe we can take out and learn from their culture yeah so um absolutely and you know pertaining to families and just being a collective nuclear family and with in regards to women not act, actually participating after getting married i think everyone has an individual ambition and yeah. a drive to do something in life exactly. you know there's millions of women in pakistan and there could have been many women out of those that could have been exceptional scientists or doctors or something but because of the way society is, um, you're, it's it's not always encouraged to go out and do something after you're married. So I think it's essential that we would see that change going yeah. forward. It's in, changing. It's definitely changing. Like people think that I'm very negative about Pakistani culture. It's, I'm not. I'm just <laughs> questioning certain norms, which still exist today. Like if you don't want to accept that, then... I don't know what world you're Same, living in. I, I think it's important to be critical. Um, yes, like, exactly. Like, like, like we've talked about this before. If you don't specifically criticize a certain part of yourself, which is my country, my identity, how are you even going to improve in the first place, right? Exactly. And um, so, yeah, that's an essential, I, I don't know. You, an interesting thing about Pakistanis is we will roast the shit out of our own country. <laughs> We're, like, I have, if you hear me sometimes. So I actually, I studied economics specifically because I looked at the issues with Pakistan was having. Wow. And then I basically studied like every major economy and their uh, uh, growth and the boom bust cycles and recessions. And I was like, how do we get out of this, right? And that's because, you know, you want to understand what's actually causing that problem exactly. because of that kind of patriotism and stuff. Yeah. And But an interesting thing about Pakistan, we will criticize the hell out of our own country. But I think if we see any other like a foreigner talk shit. Yeah. We go That's into like attack, attack mode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like, even if you see a Pakistani, but with a different accent, because they're like adopting a foreign, like yeah. they're like, oh, you're not actually Pakistani. Yeah. And like, I don't know, because I'm saying this from personal experience because people attack me a lot just because I have a different accent. And like, 
I don't know. I, I was born and raised here. It's, it's out of my control, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's so true. Like I've seen that so, so, so much in Pakistan. And like, I understand that. Like, for example, if we're talking about Pakistan, we're talking about the negatives, like I'm okay with it. But if like, like my friends who are, who come from Brazil and from other countries, they talk about it, I would, I would go into like self-defense mode. Yeah. <laughs> so I understand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, know? for sure. I've had that too, like many, many times. I just... I go and say, oh, no, you messed with the wrong guy on this. Yeah, but it's <laughs> just like, again, it just goes back to being open-minded. Like, you should not just completely reject the other person's idea. You should represent your culture well. Oh, you absolutely. Should be, you should definitely defend your culture, your identity, but it goes back to the idea of being tolerant and being open-minded. Exactly. Like, that's just so important to evolve. So um, this is probably a very volatile area of conversation, but I think it's going to be... Um, it's going to be even more uh, important to have that element of tolerance going forward because of the way the world is um, evolving. So Western civilization has significantly changed in the past two decades because of various different reasons. We've seen cultural changes. This will inevitably be the case in Pakistan as well going forward. Um, and I mean, it slowly is, actually. I mean, you can express this. You can have acti activism, but you, we need to be tolerant. We mm -hmm. can't just say, you know, we're going to put you guys in jail. We're going to do this. We're gonna, I think it's essential to sit down and listen. So with me, if I have someone I, or if I have a certain belief, instead of looking for things that confirm that belief, I try to find things that, disprove it. And this is what Einstein said. He said, my hypotheses and my theories, I will need to find, I will need to do an near like an infinite number of experiments to prove that they are correct. But just one experiment can prove that my theory is false. And this is deductive reasoning. And the same applies for basically anything. Yeah. So any belief that we have, we need to actively try to find anything that disproves okay, it. So, yeah. so an important Way to, uh, a good way to do that is to find someone who has the complete opposite view as you and yeah. listen to them and try to understand their point. Like, why do you think this is the case, right? Try to convince me. And then you can have a just rational point of view that is backed by actual logic and not by um, sentiment mm -hmm. specifically. But that's very hard to do, right? Especially um, in our culture. It is hard to do, but... It's, it's important. It's important. And it's, sure. and it's all about habit building. Yeah. And I think this comes individually. Yeah. Um, and again, as we've spoken about this before and how you summed, summed it up uh, in a brilliant way, tolerance is, is, one, is the most important ingredient in actually enabling this to happen. Yeah. So I want to touch on another very theoretical, crazy idea. Okay. So Gen Zs, we've seen... Uh, an unprecedented boom in technologies, computers, etc. And it's been mostly a digital revolution. But because of this digital revolution right now, so there's three types of AI. There's artificial narrow intelligence, which is AI that can execute basic tasks. Mm -hmm. So like chat GPT or Siri on your phone, mm -hmm. right? And it's trained on a limited amount of data and it can only respond or give an output based on what it's been trained on, right? I see a lot of people getting scared of chat GPT is gonna take over the world, it's gonna do it's it's not gonna be able to do anything. That's not how this particular AI works. 
It's it doesn't understand anything. It's just giving you an approximation of the information that it was fed. It's predicting, yeah. Exactly. And that's ANI, artificial narrow intelligence. The next step is going to be artificial general intelligence. And that is AI that can essentially do anything that a human being can. And it will have the actual ability to understand and to self-improve. After that, we have ASI, artificial superintelligence. And this is another theoretical concept. I personally believe that if you have an AI, or let's say you have a human being, that human being does not have an attitude. It does not have preferences. It does not have, it, does, it doesn't have days where it wants to work and it doesn't have days, where it, it just works. And it has access to every information on earth. Mm -hmm. And it has unlimited computing capability. You just mm -hmm. add more hardware, it gets more and more intelligent. That person would essentially be a super intelligence if you think about it, right? If there's no limits to it. Mm -hmm. So if we achieve this AGI, artificial general intelligence, where just we just give it understanding, I think it would be very, very quick where we would see it go on to this next phase, which is artificial super intelligence. And as a consequence of that, we're going to see advancements in medical science, physics, um, space travel, etc. So essentially what I'm trying to say is the next five decades, like we can actually, this is going to be on the internet, right? We can watch this a couple decades decades later and see if I'm right. It's going to, technological advances are going to be insane. Yeah. It's going to be exponential. Um, so in regards to that, if we have AI that can understand Let's assume that it also has consciousness. How do you see humans changing in the context of having digital entities whom are essentially like humans and can understand you and speak to you? How do you see humanity changing in that context? Yeah, that's. I'm sorry if that was a long question, no, by no, the no. way. No, 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 that's like very in-depth. But um, yeah, I think AI has... It's had a huge impact on the world. We've seen it today and people are already super scared, which I completely agree with you. Like the human intelligence and the human rationale and the human the human side of human beings cannot be replaced. In my Absolutely. Opinion. Can yeah. never be replaced even as AI advances. And I think that like today, when we talk about today, AI is already taking over jobs. That's true. But what you see AI doing is it's taking over mundane jobs. It's taking over redundant jobs. It's taking over jobs that were relatively mundane. So do you think that's a good thing? I think that this is the way the world, the world will grow much at a bigger kind of like the printer pace. Yes. When the printer came in, when, even when, even when books came in, like yeah. I remember reading about like books coming in and everyone thinking that this is going to be the de detriment of our society because books are going to make us like um, it's going to stray our um, it's going to reduce our social skills. It's going to stray our attention to like oh, really to corrupt knowledge instead of like, yeah, there is like that's really interesting. It, I, when I was reading, I was like, what? Like, so everything that comes in, there's going to be this fear, like every big technological breakthrough has like that curve where in the beginning, only the early 
the early adopters adopt it and they actually, yeah. you know, and then it goes through a phase of like rejection where everyone's like, no, this is scary. This is bad. And then in the end, it, everyone's going to love it. So it, it's going to be the same with yeah. AI, whether you like it or not. It's going to advance. It's going to be in our worlds. You're going to see it every single day of our lives. But what, how do we change? How do we see the change in humanity? That's a very interesting question because... I mean, even if you compare humanity now to how it was before, we've changed in lots of ways. We've changed in terms of our attention span, as I mentioned before. We've changed even in our in our posture and our like there was I saw this um, this picture, this study that was done that was showcasing how our postures, the human being posture is going to look like in like a couple hundred years. Yeah. And it's, it's like we're like so hunched and our fingers are like, this looks like so scary. But like it makes sense because of how we evolve yeah. and how like there are more, exactly. more devices. We, we, so and, and, and that I just want to add this one thing. I don't think we're going to have like really hunched backs or those fingers. I believe I've seen that, too. That was more of like um, um, a satirical representation. of what, Yeah. But I've, I've said this to my friends before. I've told them invest in spinal surgery uh in investment companies that specialize in uh, spinal surgery um uh, technology because gen z's are gonna have the most back issues in the oh, world yeah. and yeah, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna see these companies in extreme demand with their breakthroughs and um uh, uh their treatments for spinal issues so That's like, true, it's a good actually. idea to invest in these companies it's right crazy now to think that even our physical being is gonna change that's gonna evolve but do you think there could be a point where AI could replace friends? I mean, we're seeing that today. You know, you, have you seen those influencers? Have oh, yeah. Those bots? Snapchat. Oh, yeah. Snapchat AI has. Yeah. Yeah, there's a Snapchat. It was just like, it's so weird. Talking <laughs> have to you it, seen like, the memes where people are talking to their Snapchat AI? And it's just like, we're so lonely. We're talking to the AI. <laughs> <laughs> that is lonely to think about. Like, yeah. it's so like, oh, But anyway, even those influencers are creating bots so that you can have a conversation with, yeah. with with this person that you idolize. And I think that in terms of like friends, friend circles, relationships, the way we talk to people, that's going to change a lot. Like I, when I was saying that when you compare now to how it was before, like my grandmother always tells me that she didn't have phones. What they would do like when they're bored is literally just like go outside with their siblings and like, I don't know, look at a tree or like just talk to each other. Like, you know, like their speaking yeah. skills are so d different from ours. Like my grand, I mentioned this before, but it's so true. Like they can talk for hours because that's, they didn't need to use phones exactly. to communicate. They just talk to a person. I feel so bad about this. I but it's so true, it's, right? My parents are going to watch this, but the thing is with my dad is, and a little bit with my mom as well. It's exactly how you describe it. My dad can go on for hours and hours and hours. And I am like, my brain is in agony. <laughs> it just shuts down. It, right? it's, it's not his fault. It's my fault. It's yeah, because yeah. of my fried attention, Gen Z attention span. It's like, I, I, I like I zone out. You yeah. know? And a lot of young people think that it's ADSD where I don't think it's ADSD. Everyone self-diagnoses and says they have ADSD. But it's it's mo it more, most likely has to do with this. Uh, Evolution of. Exactly. And. You know, I have this thing. I tell my I tell my friends when, like, in the future, assuming I become a 
centimillion or like a multi multi millionaire or something. This mm-hmm. it's just a thought experiment. It's gonna happen. I, I wanna um, thank you. <laughs> Same with you. Um, I wanna buy like a house in a village in southern Italy, uh-huh. and I wanna go there with no mobile devices or electricity or anything for like two weeks to reset the dopamine release oh my and God. The, you have no idea how bad i, I want to do that like i've been thinking about you know those retreats like yeah, yeah you just go in and like you have no phone like just imagine not using your phone for like two weeks let no imagine using your phone not using your phone just for an hour i think even that is like crazy exactly like as soon as we finish this we're gonna go to our phones like it's just how we are which is sad yeah. like i'm talking about this but it's just it's true it's true right and I, I think it would be very interesting to see how an extended amount of time without using these would reset the brain oh yeah because i don't think i've ever experienced this where i've not used my phone for a long time yeah um but i think it would definitely be beneficial in fixing that attention span yeah. for a lot a of digital people. detox that's yeah. so 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 much so needed and i think even these type of like digital retreats and stuff i think they're gonna become more and more popular in the future um, yeah, I think people are going to, I think that's going to be like a big business as well. Yeah, I definitely. think people are going to realize that they need this yeah. for their mental health. And I think there's companies that actually come up with these phones where you don't have any apps and it's just, you can only call, call. with these. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, that's boring. It's, it, it's boring, but, <laughs> but I guess, it makes sense, yeah. I guess some people would need it. Need it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like phone addiction is a serious issue it's right crazy. now. And I think it's increasing with the, the like the next generation is the alpha generation because like you literally see parents handing out mobile devices to kids that are a few months old. Yeah. Like. Yeah, that's true. Like the, the, I mean, it's hard to find, I understand like parents, they struggle a lot. Like it's It's understandable distraction, but like when you just resort to that method, it really affects the child's brain and the child's development which people don't realize. And that's actually a big problem as well. What age do you think kids should should have a phone? phone? So, to be honest, I'm thinking of my younger sister. When did she get a phone? I think think she got it when she was like maybe 10 or 11, Mm -hmm. I think around that age. And how do I feel about that? I think that by the time she got it, even though it sounds so young, it just made sense because for her to be, it it just felt like she was the only one kind of excluded from everything that's happening. I don't think it was 10, maybe it was 11 or 12 around Mm -hmm. that age. And I think around that age makes sense, even though I got it when I was older, but around that age makes sense because after a while, when you don't have a phone, you actually do get excluded from from the rest of the world. And even yeah. though we can talk lots about the disadvantages of having a phone at a young age, but it really builds you as a person. It really builds like in one of my episodes, we were talking about one of my guests. She talked about uh, this movie, Rocky and Ronnie. Have you watched it? I don't think so. May have heard of it's it. It's so like it's like it was a recent movie. Like everyone's talking around. You know, it's Bollywood. I'm not. I'll check it out. It's so good. So good. So they were talking. So there was this scene of Rocky. Okay, mm-hmm. and he was he was really made fun of because um, 
Rani, the his his girlfriend's family, um, they were, you know, they had like a very Western culture where um, they were very sensitive to certain things in the cult in the Desi culture. So a lot of the toxicity in fat shaming someone and in things like that, they didn't do that. Okay, but then Rocky was a very Desi person. Yeah. So he, there was a scene when. He was expressing the fact that everyone in her family keeps making fun of him for the things that he says because he comes from a very like Desi culture. So some of the words he uses, some of the things he says, people make fun of him and people kind of ca- cancel him because they're like, oh, you're you're being like, I don't know, you're being racist mm-hmm. or you're being um, super rude, you're being offensive. And everyone just found anything that he said offensive. Yeah. So he was just saying that like, I was not born and raised in a culture where I had access to this knowledge that you guys have to yeah. have. And that's so true. Like we talk a lot about social issues. We talk a lot about toxicity in our cultures, but we are privileged to be able to talk about that because we have access to that information. Exactly. We have access to the knowledge. And some people just don't know that this is wrong. Exactly. So I forget what the question initially was, but what was your question again? I think we just kind of went um, into the when the phone, when women should kids have uh, the phone. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, so yeah. That, the reason I brought this up was that it builds you as a person to have a phone at a young age because you get access to that information. An and understanding of what the world is. Up. Yeah. So I don't know, 10, 11, I don't know what you think of that. I th- You know, um, I think I got mine at, uh, I was 13 or 14. Yeah, I think same for me. I, I It was like a Nokia phone. Mm-hmm. And then I actually, <laughs> my parents didn't want to get me like um, um, like an actual phone because they were like, oh, it's bad, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. same for me. But I, I started, I, so I started making money from Minecraft. I used to make Minecraft animations when I was 14. Wow. And so I actually bought my own phone, like an actual smartphone. Oh, by, so, by earning your... Yeah. Sh- oh. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay, you're not going to buy it. Yeah, I'll buy it's, myself. Screw it. <laughs> what I'm, did your parents say? Uh, they were... I mean, they, they couldn't really do anything. They were like, <laughs> okay, so we can't like tell him no because it's going to discourage him from earning more money and doing stuff. So, but yeah. That, oh, like, wow. That is, that's, that's, that's the best way to buy yeah, your like, parents. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it off. But, no, but even my parents, they didn't want to get me a phone. Actually, my, it was my sister who got it first. She's older. And so she, they got her an iPod instead of a phone because they're like, there's only music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Was it like that, the one with the buttons or was it? Yeah, the- it was the one with the buttons, mm-hmm. the, the, the small, the old version. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's how we started. But we weren't smart enough, enough to like earn our own money and buy it ourselves. So that's nah, not my story, but that's it, very smart. It was, it's, it's, it's more funny than smart. It was just... I used, that is funny, yeah. I used to play Minecraft and then I don't know if you've like ever played it, but it's like we had like this whole community and it kind of pushes you to do something. And I'd like you become an animator because there were YouTubers that used to record gameplays and upload them. And so they wanted animations as content for their channel. So people would watch it. Wow, so, cool. Yeah, they I actually you did that they or... actually got a lot of views. And because <laughs> of that, I got into like design, design. and 3D design. Very cool. And I moved into like, you know, VFX. So with like in the Avengers movie, you see Iron Man and ah, stuff. Okay. Like so yeah, I moved into that. 
Cool. And I started like designing houses and watches and stuff. And so it kind of progressed from that. Well, and you continue to do that. Have, yeah. Do you use AI now to help you design? No, I've never used AI in any Would you want design. to? No. Honestly, really? No, I would not. I, I think I, I, I would understand people that use it, but I think true creativity comes from within For sure. humans. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I but. still think that AI can can be a tool to to help, and Absolutely. it's okay if you don't want to use it. But I'm just generally saying that, like, even when it comes to brainstorming creativity, I, I feel like AI is is I think is it's essential. Such a great tool. Yeah, yeah. like I, I I always use it for anything that's related related to brainstorming. I know people that are really critical of this. They're like, oh, like y people who use this are going to become dumb and stuff. And I'm like, okay, dude, tell me this one thing: Do you use Wikipedia? Right? Yes, I do use Wikipedia. Okay, what if Wikipedia could respond to you like a professor? Would you would you like to have that privilege? And they're like, yeah. And then I'm like, that's basically that's what ChatGPT is. Does. <laughs> right? True. So it's 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 absurd to think. It's kind of like the printer, right? Um, you are gonna have to adapt, or you're gonna get left behind, and that's just how it is. It's the reality of the world. It is fortunate for some people, and for other people, not so much. It's but. like it's also like how you use it, like. I know a lot of people are using it to write their assignments and things along those lines. And even if we like, I can say that, you know, you should not use it for your assignments. You can use it to help, but don't make it write everything. But I know students are going to do that regardless. So, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like students are going to do that regardless. Yeah. <laughs> I've got friends. This is I'm not going to say any names, obviously, but I've got friends who have literally gotten their degrees from chat gpt i'm not surprised and like the school system shouldn't be su surprised yeah like i feel like teachers professors like none of them should be surprised that people are using chat like no matter what you do they're gonna use it you know absolutely I mean? yeah it's it's inevitable like um you're gonna have to adapt and then like like we've mentioned before you're gonna get le left behind if that's not the case exactly so I mean, yeah, it's going to be crazy how the world's going to move on in the next like five years. And you know that easy I think we talked about, um, it it might become a reality sooner than we think. So say in the next five years, it could be a potential possibility. Which thing? AGI, artificial general oh, intelligence. General intelligence. Yeah, it's super smart. In AI. five years. Potentially, like that could be the case. Because when you heard about chat GPT, right? It has grown exponentially mm -hmm. so far and it continues to, to do grow. so. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the CEO of OpenAI, yeah. the company that came up with ChatGPT, yeah. Sam Altman, yeah. they fired him, right? Um, and for, they said it was due to like, he did not communicate with the board well, blah, blah, blah. But there's memes about this and some people were saying it's actually the fact that they made AGI, they didn't tell anyone, but they achieved it. And the AGI told the company, they told the board to, <laughs> to fire, fire him. him. <laughs> yeah. And now it's going to control the company. But, um, but there are actually companies like there was a company, I don't know, in, somewhere in Europe, I think, where they hired their first AI CEO. Really? Yeah. I, I can't remember the country, but I found out recently. It's like, crazy. that's insane. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that this will be something that will, that will really be a part of our lives. And this just, of course, humanity is going to evolve, but I feel like it's going to evolve for the better because every time a new technological advancement has come into this world, it has upgraded our skills. Absolutely. And that's that's what And happened. I think we don't have a lot of time left, but I'm just going to quickly condense, the, condense this question. And so 
with Gen Z's um, technological breakthroughs in the next decades, there might be a real possibility that in the field of um, uh, uh, longevity, Mm -hmm. um, living more than like a hundred years, for example, might become an actual reality. Stem cell rejuvenation technology, um, et cetera. There's a lot of different things that are absolutely mind blowing. So Gen Z's could probably be the first generation to have access to this. And we might see some people live up to the age of 150. I'm saying that this is very theoretical, but again, it might be possible. How would you feel about that? Like knowing that there's a possibility that we could live 150 years or even more. I think anyone that's like, hears the idea of like living longer, of course, it sounds exciting. It's like, oh my God, you know, I can see more of the world. I can travel more. I can live more. Um, I don't know how, how our health would be during that period. Let's assume it's like you're in your 60s or something. Oh, like that. Yeah, yeah. like it's, you're just old, but just it's not too bad. <laughs> Um, of course it sounds exciting. I think like the longevity of humanity has evolved tremendously. Our lifespan has evolved. Like, I don't know, in the 1800s or so, it was just like 30 years, like the life oh, yeah, expectancy, expectancy. And now it's like 85. Yeah. So it's like more than doubled. And, and I think I wouldn't be surprised that it's gonna, that's how it's going to happen in the future. How I feel about that. It's Cool. It's definitely exciting to think about. Like, I'm confused because when I think about it, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to see more of the world. I have more time to do whatever I want to do. Like, there's so much that I can do. I have so many more years. But at the same time, it when we think of our life just being like 80 years or whatever years, when we think of our life being short, we kind of push ourselves more because we're like it's a very interesting way I don't to know, think about it. when i was thinking about it, i'm like when i know i'm gonna like after this age i'm gonna be like too old to do anything i'm like oh i need to work harder i need to like do something before i yeah. mean it's not a deadline but it's just that i agree yeah, i understand i completely understand what so when we keep extending our lifespan will that motivation go away you know it's Possibly. just like I don't know. It just that's just my personal perspective because thinking about my future, about like the number of years I have, I think for most people it really pushes you. It does absolutely. And that's a very interesting way to think about it. I actually didn't think about this before, and I think we might see a lot of discussions pop up in this in the near future. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are going to start talking. What do about you this. think about it? I would prefer. Honestly, a natural life, like obviously if I can get a longer lifespan through better healthcare and better nutrition, just like the whole world has increased uh, in its uh, lifespan, that would be a good thing. But artificially yeah, increasing it's it. it's crazy, right? I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Because like com I completely agree with what you said. There's not a lot that you're going to be able to do, you know, and it's weird to think about people being able to choose when they want to die. You know, it's kind of like, crazy. That's how can you control? Like that was the one thing about your life that, I mean, there are lots of things that, that are not in your control, but that was like the one completely unknown part of your life. So, yeah, 
Anyways, um, it's been an awesome podcast and I wish we could actually take this further. And it's 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 been a long conversation, but it would have been even better if this you were been awesome, longer. honestly. Like all your questions, so cool, so interesting. From the first question up to the end. Honestly, I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much. And it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, you've you've essentially summed up a lot of things very, very intelligently. And yeah. So yeah, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you and so much. And yeah, we'll wrap this up now. Thank All right. you.